Hello my friends, how is everybody this evening? We are here to talk about healing. Uh, this is a six part uh, talk. Uh, Vanessa had asked me to come here on Kardec Radio and talk about healing and anything to, that has to do with that. I think healing is a big part of why we search different doctrines, why we search in different religions and different hospitals and spiritual places, alternative medicines, all kinds of things. Because we're all looking for some kind of healing in our lives. May that be a physical healing, an emotional healing, a spiritual healing, but we're always in search of bettering our the, the functioning of our bodies, of our soul, really. So, and, and it should be. We are beings that are always progressing and we are searching for all kinds of healing. So today we're going to talk about some case studies because it's, it, it really, uh, it's really important for us to know that it exists, that it's possible, that it's worked. Um, the mind definitely has an amazing control over our bodies, if not all of it. And it's important to differentiate what the brain is and what the mind is. So it's important for us to know that the brain is this physical aspect, right, of our bodies. But the mind is really the attribute of the spirit. So it's very important for us to know that the mind is, let's say, the intelligent part of the spirit. And the mind is truly the intelligence that controls the, the brain, which sends the signals to the body. So if we think about it this way, it's important for us to know that the mind is disconnected in a way because it's obviously it's embodied, but it is part of our spirit. And that's why science more and more will unite the knowledge of the mind or the spirit with all aspects of illnesses in our bodies because it's impossible to reach healing without making this connection. So the first thing I wanted to ask you guys do you know what the nocebo effect? We all have heard of placebo effect, right? So everybody knows what a placebo is, but what about a nocebo? Uh, the difference is the nocebo effect is truly, it could be anything that you take um, that really creates negative expectation. So it could be a, just a, a sugar pill and if you give to a patient telling them that they're going to suffer from nausea, from they're going to develop hives, that this pill is going to cure them in some form, but it's also going to give them some negative side effects. Well, if they take that, it actually does have an amazing way of working on these negative side effects. So this tells us that our minds have an incredible amount of power over how our bodies react to anything, including medication, including any kind of treatment. Because if we are to believe that anything will bring upon anything negative, side effects, a lot of pills will not bring side effects if we don't research what the negative side effects would be. Once we start researching and this will cause nausea, um, we have the amazing ability to create the nausea ourselves even if the pill was not a real medicine. It could be just a sugar pill. So that's the nocebo effect. So the first case study I wanted to bring you is from a neurosurgeon. His name is Alan Hamilton. And this is an amazing story. I actually met Alan, Dr. Hamilton and 
He's just an amazing, amazing person. His, one of his books is called The Scalpel in the Soul. And this book is out of the, it's amazing. It's amazing how he unites spirituality um, with medicine. So he works in Arizona and he brought this lecture and he was telling us about this young man. He was a doctor and he did a lot of brain surgeons, obviously. And on this young man, he was uh, he used to do fly fishing. Fly fishing, you know, you, you take it that long. Well, you guys know what it is. So you have uh, the pole and at the end of the pole, they have these little lures and then you throw it out and you catch it back. So, um, and this man had an amazing ability of fly fishing. He was a young man, except he had a tumor and he came to Dr. Hamilton for the operation. So Dr. Hamilton started the operation on this young man and uh, you know, he was very happy. He had a great support system. His family, uh, I believe his family was from quite far away, still in Arizona, but they drove, they had an RV and they drove. And so this young man had it all going for him. Everybody was very, very positive. And Dr. Hamilton operated. He, you know, the first time he had the, the, the tumor removed, he went through radiation, he went through chemotherapy and he was cancer free. Throughout the life of this young man, he had to have many surgeries, many different uh, brain surgeries. So the young man at one point came to Dr. Hamilton and said to him, Dr. Hamilton, you know how much I like fly fishing and uh, all the surgeries, all, the, uh, all these things that I'm gonna have to go through life, I want you to be honest with me. And I know you're very positive, you're an excellent doctor, and I'm young, I have an entire life ahead of me, but I do want you to tell me the truth. If there is ever a point, if there is ever a period that you see that any kind of new tumors or an old tumor just took uh, uh, took over or there's nothing really you can do. When You know what I mean, right, Dr. Hamilton? Dr. Hamilton got it. He said, yes, I get it. So if it ever gets to that point, I will tell you to go fishing and then you know what I mean. So time went by and a young man came back one day with another tumor, except this time the tumor was on top of his spinal cord and it was very, very complicated. It was a, a tumor that was really um, that time. So Dr. Hamilton was with the young man and they had operated and um, they did the work and then the parents were outside, they were getting prescriptions and this young man was alone with Dr. Hamilton, he was about to go home and Dr. Hamilton said, hey, um, remember that talk we had a long time ago and uh, and the young man just kind of looked surprised he remembered and he said well remember that time where you know you said if it ever got to a point well I want you to go I want you to go fishing so the young man looked at Dr. Hamilton and he got it so he went home and later on that night uh, the mother called the next morning the mother called and the mother called Dr. Hamilton and told Dr. Hamilton that the young man had died that night. So Dr. Hamilton was really, um, he changed the way he conducted medicine. I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that. He changed the way uh, he did things. He knew that the brain did not kill this young man. It wasn't, I'm sorry, the, not the brain tumor. It wasn't the cancer that killed him because he knew he didn't have just one night to live. He still had some time to live. What killed him was that he took his hope away. 
Dr. Hamilton took the hope of this man away. And when he did that, he knew that the young man could not survive anymore. He knew that he did not survive because if his doctor did not believe him, he stopped believing in himself. So Dr. Hamilton actually promised that he would never take the hope of anybody. It's not his place to say it. Um, and that makes all the difference because that is a classic example of really um, taking hope away from somebody, knowing that there is no way for us to say 100% anything in this world because everything is possible and because we know so little. We really know nothing in, in, in the grandiosity of the spiritual realm, of everything else that um, we cannot see or touch. So we have to begin to prescribe hope. I speak for every doctor that I've been to and we know immediately if you're going to do well with a certain doctor and if another doctor you will only go through the motions, right? Because some doctors believe in you. They believe in the medicine they're prescribing. And part of the cure, part of the healing is to believe. First you have to believe in God, then you have to believe in your doctor. You also have to believe in your own self. And then you have to believe in the treatment. So it takes four different beliefs for you to really heal. You have to believe in God and the doctor and the treatment and then in yourself. But once your doctor start, stops believing in you, it's very hard for you to believe in the treatment or yourself. So we have to learn and we have to, part of the healing is the prescription for hope, the prescription to give someone the ability to still believe um, and we should never take any of this away. Another case, it's a very interesting case as well, is from Dr. Lisa Rankins. And Dr. Lisa believes and she talks about the power of placebo. In one specific case, Dr. Uh, Dr. Rankins, it was in 1957, there was a patient, Dr. I mean, the patient's name was Mr. Wright. Mr. Wright had this illnesses, this, this illness, it's lympho, um, lymphosarcoma. And the lymphosarcoma obviously was a cancer and it was giving him all kinds of lumps. He had all kinds of tumors. He has tumors the size of oranges under his armpits, in his belly, um, in his neck. Every day he had to take this white substance uh, pulled out of his chest, all this fluid that would just, it was, Basically, like two quarts of, of the substance would be taken out of the, his lungs every day. So he was in bad shape. But then um, this new drug comes up in the market and it's called Cribiozin. And Cribiozin is supposed to cure this illness. It's supposed to cure this disease. So this patient hears about it and it's still in the whole phase of, you know, just, just looking for people to, to test on. And the patient comes to, to Dr. Um, to the doctor and he says please give me a shot of this i really want this i think it be i believe that this would cure my cancer and the doctor did not really wanted to give it to them because the patient's expectancy life expectancy had to be at least three months and this was a friday the doctor did not believe the patient would live until monday so obviously the patient did, the doctor did not want you know didn't convey to the patient that his beliefs and he wanted to give him some kind of hope. He really, you know, he bothered the, patient, the, the doctor so much that the doctor decided that he was going to inject the patient um, and he did it on a Friday. So doctor went back home. He did not have to work over the weekend. 
So he comes back Monday thinking that his patient, Dr. Uh, Mr. Wright, was no longer going to be there or he would be in such bad shape that it would just be a few hours. Well, he comes in and Mr. Wright is walking up and down the hallway. The tumors had shrunk into half the size. He was in good spirits and a drug was working. So the patient was truly, <laughs> truly being cured. In about 10 days, the patient was discharged of the hospital and he was cancer free. He was nothing. There was nothing else. You know, he was fine. So the patient goes on and he goes to live his own life and he's doing everything he always did. And then something comes on the news announcing that Cremiosi was not really working. And it was, uh, you know, it was, it was in the early stages and now the scientists kind of uh, tested enough people and they decided that it was actually not uh, effective. Well, those three months worked out great. And then once the patient knew about this drug not working, guess what? He went back to the hospital, cancer came full-fledged and everything else, you know, he started to get depressed. He was, um, you know, he, he just wasn't in good shape and everything came back. So doctor, the doctor, Dr. West, Dr. West decides that he wanted to try a placebo. So Dr. West tells this patient, he's like, uh, Mr. Wright, listen, I'm going to give cribiosin. Do not believe the news. Um, this actually does work. It's an amazing medicine. They're not, they're just not telling the whole truth and, and it's a lot of confusion, but it does work. And I'm going to give you the shot and this is going to work. I mean, you're actually, you, you knew it worked and it's going to work again. So Dr. West this time did not give the drug. The drug was not to be given anymore. And he injected the patient with a saline solution, something that made him uh, believe that he was getting the drug. And amazing, amazingly enough, the patient again went on to go his whole life in two, two months, not his whole life, two months, completely symptom, symptom, asymptomatic. He was not having anything. All the cancer went away again. All the tumors disappeared. His blood work was fine. And he went on for about two months until the news came up saying that cribiosin was actually taken off the market because it was a final uh, decision and it was a final, uh, I guess, the research results that cribiosin had absolutely no effect. Well, the minute that the American Medical Association pronounced that this drug was worthless, this man that heard this news went back to the hospital and two days later, he passed away. So, this is really the, the power that we have to either um, understand how the mind can interfere in our bodies and how a placebo and a nocebo effect really works. And it's very important for us to know these case studies because as spiritists, we have to understand that there's so much more than meets the eyes. Another, uh, a lot of studies are done, but it's interesting studies with multiple personality well actually there is a you know we, we we can see too um a lot of times in in our own lives all this, this the healing because some people will say well what about past lives if i did something in a past life then how can i heal on this life isn't there a, a, a karma because people love to say the, the word karma even though it's not a spiritist word and in no shape no way shape or form karma works 
for us because nothing is given in equal intensity that that that's that would be a uh, action and reaction which is a, a physical law but we're talking about a, a moral law you know so we're talking about cause and consequence which is a completely different thing so when you cause something yes you will have the consequence to that however as we know love covers a multitude of sins so you you may be able with your good actions your goodwill not your goodwill, but your will, your intentions, but you're doing, you can really change everything that you had caused in the past. Otherwise, God would not be this merciful God. It would just be a God that allowed people to do something and get it back exactly the same. And really, when would it ever end, right? So there is a Chico Xavier told a story. Um, this was through a uh, spirit of... Oh my goodness, Silva. I forgot his first name. But anyway, so there's a story on Chico that this man, his name was uh, Saturnino. Saturnino. He was a man, he was a spiritist. Um, anyway, he, uh, before he was a spiritist, um, oh, okay, let's say he was a spiritist. He did a lot of work. He did a lot of good. He uh, was a man that, you know, carried a lot of things in a very poor town. And he transported a lot of food to all kinds of different places. He was very active in the service of Christ. And this man did a lot of things. But at some certain point in his life, he's working on this type of machinery and he loses part of his finger. So a lot of people asked him um, and they asked him amongst all the, you know, spiritist movement, all the other people. And they said, how can a man this good? How can a man that does all kinds of of things and is really involved in the movement, is carrying food everywhere to the poor, is uh, do, does all the things in the spiritual center. How can this man lose his finger? He's such a good man. I mean, wouldn't that be a punishment? Wouldn't that be unfair? So he started to question it himself until he gets to the spiritual center. And then one of the mentors um, comes and opens up his past life or one of his past lives and really explains why he only got half of his finger cut. And then it was revealed to him that in a past life, he was a slave owner. He was not very kind to the slaves. And at one circumstance, he, he took one of those machines that grinds the sugar canes, and he put one of the slave's arms right through the grinder. And once he discarnated in that life, he went to the spiritual realm where he just wondered. He just wandered in agony and pain and regret and remorse. And all he could think was this bucket of sugarcane juice mixed with blood. And he kept seeing that. And it was he was tormented by that. And he was filled with regret. And at some point he asked, and, and he was ready to be reincarnated, and he asked the, the spiritual team, to whenever it was that he would be the most productive in his life for him to lose his entire arm as um as a way to repair and, and as a way to repair what he's done so the team did uh approve of this reincarnation with this um let's say sacrifice except that when the time came he had changed his path he was a good man he was doing things right the max of his capability 
And there was actually, there would be more harm in taking his entire arm, even for his own repentance, it was better that only a little piece of his finger would be taken off. So you see, we have to understand that healing, we are also in control of our own healing. If we are experiencing any torment, any agony, any physical pain, we'll get there. We're all going to get our chance to heal. It's a process. We are healing as we speak. We don't have to be rebellious towards anything that's happening to us. Let's work as best as we can in the goodness and in, in, in anything that we can better for somebody else's life. It's a healing process. Another interesting uh, point that we should bring up is I always think about a mental illness and uh, there are many doctors that study multiple personality disorders. And again, this goes the power of the mind. So here we talked about the power of placebo and nocebo, um, the power of, oops, connection, am I okay? Yeah, I think I'm okay. Um, the power of past lives, right, of um, expiation. But now we can talk about the power of the mind, the power of, when we talk about multiple personalities, and, and this is a topic on its own that would take hours, but some research was done with multiple personalities and some people can at will switch personalities. Now, as spiritists, we know the vast uh, possibilities there, right? Sometimes people change their personalities, um, not at will, it would just come as a, as a sudden Thing. And in other times, they can do it at will. Doctor, um, I like Dr. Bennett Brown. Dr. Bennett Brown, she, um, sorry, he used to study all kinds of people and their reactions to different things. And at one point, he had a patient called Tim. And Tim would have allergy to orange juice. And he would break out in hives and he would have blisters and he would have all kinds of immediate reactions to orange juice. However, when a different personality would take over, the different personality was not allergic to orange juice. And the blisters in the hives would start disappearing immediately and he would not be at any point um, allergic to orange. When Tim comes back, if the orange juice was still being digested, all the reactions would come back. So it's very interesting because this is done at universities. These are done by real doctors studying and being baffled by the power of that really by how the mind can really regulate biology and the mind can regulate regulate biology so we have to believe that there's something more than a very factual and only scientific answer to it which there is but we have to include the spiritual side to things so in the case of dr Fran francine howland uh, this is a yale psychiatrist and this is very interesting because this person, this doctor, specialized in treating uh, multiple, you know, multiple personality disorders. And she, it, Dr. Francine, she relates a fact in which she had a patient who got stung by a uh, by a, uh, a bee, by a wasp. And the patient comes on to her and has this eye really, you know, puffy and full of all kinds of things, and it's just getting really bad. So comes to the psychiatrist. The psychiatrist says you go see an eye doctor, you go see an ophthalmologist immediately because this is dangerous, you have to go there. So the patient calls the doctor, but the doctor could not see uh, this patient immediately. So it would take about an hour for the patient to be seen by the eye doctor. So the patient leaves Dr. Howland's office and 
and, and Dr. Hamlin says, you know what? Why don't you invoke the another personality who's an anesthetic, a personality that will not feel the pain? And so the patient does. And by the time the patient gets to the eye doctor, not only the patient did not have any more pain, but the eye was back to normal. It was no longer swollen. There was no indication that it was ever stung by a wasp. Anybody that's been stung by a wasp and is allergic to it will understand the, the, uh, the intensity of, of the pain and of the results. But the patient then, you know, ophthalmologist saw it, sends the patient home, says, I, I, there's nothing here. There's no stings. There's no pain. There's no swelling. There's nothing I can do. Patient goes back home, except the next morning, the old personality wakes up with him. He wakes up with the old personality and immediately the eye puffs out and the pain starts again. So he gets to the eye doctor and the eye doctor cannot believe. He actually phoned um, Dr. Helen and he says, what's going on? Is, is time playing a trick on me? Is this the same patient? I don't understand what's happening. So, you know, Dr. Helen said, oh, don't worry about it. It's just multiple personalities. So the personality came back and with the personality came back the swelling and everything else. So the eye doctor had to treat this one patient that was this specific personality. So people may say this, this can't be true, but this is studies. These are things that are in scientific journals. These are things that are um, 2002 New England Journal of Medicine. There was a case where some people were brought for knee surgery and uh, Byron School of Medicine, I think. There was a different procedures that you do on your knees when you need knee surgery. One, they shave the cartilage. Another one they do, they, they kind of take the joint, they flush it out and then they shave, you know. Um, and they did this to a group of people. They take, they took the first, the, the first type of surgery. Another group of people, they did the second type of surgery. And a third type of people, they did not do any surgeries. They actually did do incisions. They threw the water and all of the things. They made all the noise. They, they covered everyone went through physical therapy and guess what? Everybody got well, even the ones that believed they had the surgery, but they did not. So again, that's the placebo effect, right? So we have to, to know that there's an imaginable, uh, it's a, it, it, it's so powerful what our minds can do that again, this shows again, three surgeries. One was not a surgery, did not touch the knee. I mean, it just did an incision so the patient would see and truly believe he was under surgery. Um, but they all got cured and they all felt fine and they all went on to do everything else they did. So can our minds, can we, can the, can, can the spirit, if the spirit heals or if the spirit truly commands our body, can it be done? Can the healing occur? And the, and the answer is definitely, definitely, absolutely it can. Um, on the spirits book, there's a question and that's question 909. Kardec asked the spirits if, um, can we through our own, you know, through our own effort, can we actually win over like our bad behavior, our bad tendencies, our bad inclinations, anything that would prevent any kind of healing? And the spirits actually answer that yes, and actually with very little effort. What locks is really the will. So we should experiment. We should have this will. We should not allow people to prescribe us um, 
nocivos. <laughs> we really have to, to bet on the prescription for hope. We really have to bet on our health, on our own healing, and to believe, to believe God, to believe the doctor, to believe us, and to believe the treatment. And we have to go, but we have to go all in. We can't just have half faith. We either have faith or we don't have faith. And if we don't have faith, let, let's work on our faith. So we get to the point that we completely are surrendered to the possibilities of all of this coming and, and, and happening with us. Um, different personalities. We have multiple personalities. Again, some doctors work with people that once they're under one personality, um, there was this one specific doctor. I'm trying to find his name as well. Um, let me see if I remember. Maybe it was Dr. Helen as well. Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown. There was a, a, a person who needed to be sedated. And this person, when he had a personality of an adult, five milligram of Valium, diazepam, would be enough to knock him down when he was a child. But when, when he was a man, it needed a hundred milligram to knock him out, to, to, for tranquilizers to work. So think about the dangers as well of what could be happening as well. What if someone does not have multiple, what if someone has multiple personality and you give them a medication that would work for one personality, but not for the other. So there is so much for us to study. There's so much research for us to really dig ourselves in. And we can't take this kind of stuff out just because it's not on the mainstream um, codification because it is. All this stuff is there. Jesus said that we can do so much more. Jesus cured and Jesus said, listen, you guys are going to be able to do so much more than I'm here to show. Now think about it. Someone that has multiple personalities, one personality will come out as a child and then the doctor treats this personality with five milligrams of Valium to calm them down, but then when the personalities switch, and sometimes at will, this personality will become a man, and it will take 100 milligrams to sedate this person. So how many, how many of us are really throwing ourselves at the study of the mentally ill, of, of things that we have no idea of how the mind, and how the spirits, and how the obsessors, and how everything else that's not known to mainstream science is affecting. Because in this case, you could actually kill the child if you give the child 100 milligrams of Valium, right? Or if you try to give the multiple person, the, the man that has the, this person that has the personality of the man, and you give them five milligrams, it's like candy. It's going to do nothing for them. And if you have allergies, <laughs> if one personality has allergy and the other one has no allergies, they can switch at will as well. So can we switch at will? Can we make ourselves better at will? So there are so many questions that we should study. And if we don't make spiritism a science as well of searching these questions, if we can't, and that's, that's why I think it's beautiful, Kardec Radio, we can talk about these things here. Because um, some people will only want to speak about the things that are, that are clearly in Kardec's codification, which we should. But Kardec also said that spiritism is progressive, that we have to also use what we know to research and to apply the codification and new findings. And that's why we have to bring these case studies for us to really reflect and for us to think about it. Remember, um, a lot of times we have to ask ourselves, 
not why something's happened to you, but what for. A lot of times we have an illness and we're always trying to research the why part of that illness, to go back to the past and research what brought me to have this illness. But we also have to be aware and we have to be very um, involved in finding out the what for. And the what for implies the future. What is the reason that I have this illness? Because maybe I'll never know the why I have it. Not in this lifetime. Maybe I'll have it. I'll have this knowledge at the right time. And I usually don't like to go digging in to, to you know, past life therapies. Very few cases uh, legitimizes the need for it. Very few cases. And today it's being used for curiosity for anything. Oh, my toe hurts. Let me go see who I kicked in a past life. You know, it's ridiculous. So um, sometimes the whys don't really matter too much. The point is change yourself now and find out what for. If you, have an, if you have an illness, look at your body, look at your emotional state and try to stop and, and ask yourself, what is this here trying to teach me? How can I heal from this? What is the message that this illness is trying to tell me? I'm so sorry, um, but th because then I can work on the healing. The minute that I know what for, then I can work on the healing. But if I keep stuck on my past, on finding out what I did, it's good to reflect, of course, we have to, but without the what for, we can do very little healing. Well, I think I got the message across today. We've been talking for a little bit more than half hour. Next week, I never know what the next one will be. I don't know why, let me try to look at my computer here. Next week, we're going to talk, oh yeah, next week we're gonna talk about the spirit influence, the spiritual influences um, on healing. And uh, it's very uh, interesting because we always like to say, oh, it's the obsessors, oh, it's, you know, this, and oh, and, and we kind of don't like to take a lot of personal responsibility for things. We, you know, when we know that we're maybe doing something wrong, we always kind of try to justify, um, we always try to blame somebody else, we always try to say it's out of my will, I can't do it, I'm stuck in the situation, um, this is my spiritists right like we we can't live this life just saying oh it's you know an atonement you know it's my expiation there's nothing i can do oh sorry guys but baloney we can change at any point even the expiations they can i just told you a story right of the man that lost a tip of his finger instead of losing his entire arm so we have way more power than we like to um to acknowledge and we should acknowledge that we have a lot of power because that's what Jesus wants us to do, to, to be powerful, to do his work. He doesn't want us lame. He wants us healthy. If we can't be healthy yet in the body, let's work the mind. If we can't be in the mind, let's do something with the body. But let's always try to do the best we can. And let's not just throw in the towel and say, oh, it is what it is. Nothing is what it is unless you want it to be like this. And... I want us to really be motivated. I want us to really motivate ourselves to say, I can be better, I can do better, I can really um, feel better. And we can. I mean, I hope that you listen to these case studies that I proposed here. Don't take the hope out of anybody. Prescribe hope if you're a doctor. If you're a friend, motivate your friend, but lead as an example to show how much you believe that you can do things. Well. I guess it's over, Kardec Radio today with me. If you have any questions, any anything, put it here online. 
um, and I'll always try to answer or reach me in private. I have my own Facebook, just look for my name and it'll be a pleasure to be here next Monday night. Now I'm going to say hello to some of you. Ah, we have Hercules. He's a worker at our center, Good Harvest Fraternal Group. He's always there on Sundays. He does the Mujin, which is a study of the gospel. And he really kind of really every sentence is, is talked about, which is great. Andrea Cosley from Tennessee. She's here with us. She's a dear friend as well. Oh my goodness, so many good friends. Nelly is here with us. We have Elton is here with us. We have uh, Solange is watching with us as well. She says, good evening. I'm driving. I have a bad internet. I will watch it later when I get home. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. This is a great thing to do while you're driving, right? Why get mad at people and traffic and all that stuff? And we have Cleo here as well. Cleo is such a sweetheart from New York as well. Thank you guys. Hercules saying thank you, my dear. Cleo sending me flowers. I like the little flowers and I, I like the thank you, my dear. Thank you, everybody. I will see you soon. Next Monday, we'll be here again. Good night.